Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello and welcome back to the Prospect Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds about the ideas that matter in politics, society and culture. I'm Ellen Halliday, Deputy Editor at Prospect Magazine, and I'm delighted to be joined by Stuart Jeffries. Stuart is a journalist and author who's written for Prospect a couple of times now, and his most recent book is Everything, All the Time, Everywhere, How We Became Postmodern, which is published by Verso. Stuart, it's lovely to have you with us. Thank you. Lovely to be here. So you're here to talk to us about quite an interesting subject that we set you on for the magazine, which is, is money, is cash specifically, dying out? So... Tell us, what did you find out? Are we losing cash in our society? And what does it tell us about the world in which we now live? Well, we lost um, the will to spend in cash um, quite a while ago once we started finding more convenient ways to do it. You know, it's much easier to swipe a card rather than to fiddle in your pockets for change. I remember I remember the days when, you know, my trousers were ruined, you know, regularly by having pound coins falling through the pockets. You know, and seriously, it used to be quite an issue. I'm sure it was a conspiracy, the more I think about it, by cotton manufacturers to get me to stitch up my, my trouser pockets. I'm at the stage now where I haven't had cash in my wallet for about six months. And that problem's been added to by the fact that I've forgotten my PIN number. So I don't really know how to access payments without using my phone, which makes me a complete mark for the you know for Apple Pay and for, for companies who want my digital data. So why would I enter into that horrible Faustian pact? You know, why would I want to do that apart from saving my trousers? I think the the, the real reason is um, the, there was a big push um, over, the, over during the uh, pandemic where money was regarded one as being filthy and you know a contaminant, even though banks were assuring us that it was kind of you know cleaned and everything was fine. It, but also it involved more physical contact than we were comfortable with. So we stepped away from money there. But before, even before that, there was a huge push through the use of technology to get away from cash um, in order to achieve certain socially desirable goals, such as cr- cutting down on the, on, the, on the dark economies, black economies. You know, the, the idea of being paid in cash essentially meant that, you know, if you paid a cash to a, to a workman, you you essentially saying, you're not going to declare your tax. You know, you entered into a horrible conspiracy. So the idea is that would be reduced, um, the, you know, by the, by the payments through uh, digital means, where you always leave a digital imprint. So that th- those sort of factors were important. But the, the other thing was, in countries such as Sweden and uh, China, where there's massive kind of, well, 
two things really. Social conformity is quite quite important, and two, they're ve- they're very sophisticated digitally. They've got very high p- penetration of you know digital devices and, and phones, particularly. It all became very useful for the, for governments there to try and influence behaviour by using um, what non-anonymous bearer instruments. Anonymous That's a bit bearer. wordy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anonymous bearer instruments. That, that really means cash, I think. So, so you know, you, there's no record of what you where it came from when when you pay in, in John Lewis or wherever for anything with your cash. But if you pay for it with a card, of course, it's going to be a record. Governments like that, and also so do tech, tech, tech companies like that, because they can have a, a get a profile of you and get information about you, which they can use to uh, find data, you know, to, to control society, I suppose, and and also to con- control your behaviour and nudge your behaviour in interesting ways. So, to what extent is cash disappearing from a society? What do we know about this this trend? Well, in twenty seventeen. Um, debit card payments overtook cash for the first time and that, and that trend was accelerated by COVID where people didn't really want to pay with physical cash. So that by some estimates, by 2043, uh, we will be completely cashless. That's in the UK? Or? In the UK, yeah. yeah, in the UK. And there are other societies where that will happen. It's likely to happen or predicted to happen faster, in particularly Nordic countries and, and, and China for some reason. So... The reduction of the use of cash, you've got some kind of consumer choice. You don't want holes in your trousers. You find it easier to, to use your card. But at the same time, you have governments, big tech companies, kind of nudging people away from cash and towards using card, or as you say, your, your phone increasingly as well. So it's it's coming from both sides. But you use the word there, control. And some people, and you write about this in a piece that you've written for Prospect, uh, some people are really worried by this sense of control who are they what exactly are their concerns and are are they right i think some of the concerns are well founded because with cash you, you, people don't know where you got it from really um you don't and, and so if you go into a shop as piers corbin who, who's you know jeremy's brother and a well-known conspiracy theorist who doesn't believe in uh, he's worried about a lot of uh, new forms of state control such as you know ulez and uh, 15 minute cities and all that kind of stuff he fixated on this uh, issue by going to an Aldi, a, a cashless Aldi in uh, Greenwich, where he, it was obviously a stunt, but he went in to buy um, a punnet of strawberries. And he could have equally have gone across the, the square to the Sainsbury's, which is uh, not cashless, so he could have bought these strawberries with, with cash there. But he was making a point, which is that he didn't want to go into a shop um, he thought it was his right. He thought it was his right to go into a shop, spend his cash on these strawberries and, and leave. Mm-hmm. Now, as Bank of England will tell you, that's not really how money works. Mon- money is, there's, there's discretion on the part of the, of the seller as to whether they're going to accept the, your chosen means of payment. You know, if you come in with a £50 note and, you know, you, you want to go out with a bunch of bananas, um, people are going to be quite un- unhappy about that and say no. If, or, or if you're, you know, uh, you've got a Scottish pound note, a Scottish £50 note, and you want to buy something in an English shop, as you well know, there's going to be problems. Yeah, I was devastated um, to discover that the legal tender argument is not, in fact, yeah. a valid argument for insisting a shopkeeper take your... It's, isn't it really interesting? And, and, and you can see in the video that he released in, in high dudgeon, you know, to his, his, his followers, that um, he, he believes that it is, you know, legal tender means that I can give you my money and I'm now going to walk out. with, with and, and actually, the, the staff who were quite annoyed with him for 
behaving in this rather snooty way to them. You know, they're shouting at him, you know, you can't take that. Also, you can't leave. You can't, this terrible thing, actually. You can't leave the shop because there are these gates which are only activated by the app, which he clearly didn't have because he'd only got the cash. So he breaks through these gates and goes outside and does this triumphal video. There's no cash desk, so he went up to the help, help, help desk and put down his £1.30, whatever it was, in coins on the desk said, I've completed this transaction. I'm now going to leave, as he says, this dystopian place, which is kind of hilarious. And there's these, presumably, I don't know what Aldi's employment practice is like, but probably these quite low-paid workers having to you know, deal with this rather posh bloke. I don't think he actually stole anything, really. It'd be quite interesting to see a legal case. What would what would be the case there? You know, but he certainly didn't do what he should have done in that shop. But this speaks to a bigger point about his concerns, yeah. which some may interpret as completely um, out there, and but others may say, "Well, actually, look, I'm tired of being tracked everywhere. I don't want big companies, and I don't want the state to know everywhere I go and everything I spend." Yeah. And and they do kind of have a point, don't they? That we're it's it's increasingly difficult for us to be anonymous and um, the reduction of cash in society makes that even even harder. For some people that might be fine, but there are other people who might have valid reasons for not wanting the, the state to know exactly where they go all of the time and that could be an individual choice, right? So Absolutely, but you know, in, in this sort of dystopian science fiction, um, that I'm still thinking of Dave Egger's novel The Circle where essentially there's a tech company which has this mantra which is that... Uh, you know, secrets are lies and uh, privacy is theft. You know, these these the Orwellian things. The, the idea is that you should... Why, why, do you want to, why do you want to live off the grid? What have you got to hide? You're clearly hiding something which is probably to do with, you know, drugs or something nefarious. So any lack of transparency is questionable. And that's, that's the, 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 the anti-Corbynite perspective. I you know Cor- Corbyn is worried that yeah, did, oversight is Orwellian and it's used controllers. And he has some fair points, I think, about about that because, you know, there is a history of um, cash payments, particularly to vulnerable people, um, being made on condition that you do certain things. You know, that you you will get you'll get a certain amount of money, say, as benefit payments. This happened in Brazil in the nineties. You you know, you if you got your kid vaccinated, you would get your benefit payments. If you didn't get your kid vaccinated and they didn't and then got a very good school record you would not get that money, you know. So the, the, there is a form of social control and nudging, but the, the idea is, I suppose, the state's argument and tech companies' argument is it's quite a benign thing, you know. It's actually trying to achieve good social goals. Piers Corbyn doesn't believe that, you know, he just thinks this is state overreach and it should be resisted. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's got a point. I mean, you know, I, I feel invaded by, by a lot of... You know, a lot of my digital interactions, I really don't want to give data to people all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't really question why. Just that there's a natural cussedness, I think, where you just think, I don't really want to tell you that. Why do you, why do you need to know that about me? You know? And I don't want to sign up for your newsletter. And, you know, all of that stuff, you just don't want to be on the grid so much, you know. I think many people would feel increasingly they don't have a choice. Right. Because, you know, used to be there were a range of options, Um ways to pay, ways to sign up for public services, those kind of things. And, and increasingly, the only way is digital, right? So that choice has been removed a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But that does make one romanticise the, you know, anonymous cash bearer instruments, i.e. money. It makes you think, well, that wasn't, wasn't that wonderful, you know, liberating phenomenon? And yet the history of money suggests, so the complete opposite, the history of money suggests we bewitched, you know, we replaced gods 
by mammon. You know, we just bow to these new gods. This is what Marx tells us. You know, we just we just believe that there's this incredible power in in cash, in money, and we we're enthralled to it. And that's why, in a way, that people like Piers Corbyn have arisen and were focused on this issue because they hate the idea that money is, it has this control of us. I think, in a way, they've drawn their battle in the wrong place, in the battle lines in the wrong place, because what they should be doing is burning money rather than, you know, venerating it, you know. And some people are are doing that, which is almost an aside in this piece that you've written for yeah. us, but it's fascinating that there's a movement you found of people who burn cash and record how much cash they're burning. I mean, tell us about what we know about, you know, this... Uh, loose group. I don't know how organised they are. <laughs> oh, they're probably yeah, they're, they're they're probably not very closely affiliated, or at least you know for legal purposes aren't. But you know, you're too young to probably to remember the KLF in the nineties when they, they were this sort of art school art provocateurs. I guess they were um, two Scottish guys who 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 just burnt a million pounds on the island of Jura after having quite a successful series of hit singles for the band KLF. Tammy Wynette sung on one of their songs. That's that's how big they were. They were a really big deal. But they burned a lot of money. They burnt a million pounds because they, it was like a sacrificial rite. We are not controlled by money. We are going to burn it. Um, apparently the legacy of it is that... Um, um, I think it's Jimmy Courty, was it, Bill Drummond? One of them's got kids now who, who get teased in the playground all the time because their dad burned a million pounds, you know, literally burned a million pounds on, in this fire. The reason for doing so is to destroy its its aura, you know, and and it's a phenomenon that arose in the late, late 60s, you know, in a countercultural process, and there are people doing it even now, you know, they'll, they'll meet in... You know, fairly secret places and burn money and keep this is the ironic thing of course keep a record of it which is which is accessible digitally it's, it's sort of a you know free to access uh spreadsheet on the internet yeah people drop in their names how much they burned where they burned it um it's it's really curious yeah isn't it it's such, it's such a strange phenomenon um and good for them. I mean, I, I think if they want to do, you know, it's, it's, it's clearly their privilege to, be, to do that and, and good, good for them if they want to. But, you know, I'm not sure what it means in terms of everyday people or poor people's relationship with money. You know, is, is, it, is it liberating it? They're trying to destroy the cash nexus. They're trying to destroy the relationship between you know, economics and politics. They're trying to create a, a new romantic order, you know, post-capitalist order. Maybe they aren't succeeding very well. I mean, clearly they're not because actually what's happening is, is, is cash is, is being steadily um, supplanted by something which is perhaps, you know, more nefarious. After the break, we'll talk more about what a cashless society would be like. But first, I'd like to tell you about an offer from Prospect. You can enjoy one month's free trial to Prospect's digital content and get full access to rigorously fact-checked, truly independent analysis and perspectives. There's no commitment and you can cancel at any time. To take advantage of this great deal, please search for Prospect One Month Free Trial Offer. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. 
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Are you looking to grow your business and stay resilient? Look no further than FM Global. With over 180 years of scientific research and engineering expertise, we bring innovative solutions to ensure your commercial property today so you can prosper tomorrow. There are other um, other forms of transactions now on a much bigger scale that, you know, in terms of cryptocurrencies, NFTs, all of these yeah. kind of what I think we call tokens that um, have arguably been far more successful in moving people away from cash, but have also brought with them all kinds of problems. Um, do you see a long-term future in these other kinds of tokens? Can we, and can we distinguish, or do we need to distinguish between cryptocurrencies and NFTs as being, some of them being useful, some of them perhaps being a fad? Yeah, I mean, certainly those, they're specul- some of them have been speculative bubbles, you know, people who just really got excited that they could make money fast and some people have and some people have lost lots of money um i think the, the, the what was interesting for me at least in thinking about um you know um cryptocurrencies was the utop- utopian impulse um which was to get away from state control again you know get away from central bank control because that was regarded as corrupt and um forcing other people's values on you so you know, there's this notion, sort of rather confusing, which I don't really understand, um, not being a financial or tech expert, to be honest, um, of the blockchain, which is that um, there's a distributed ledger so that, you know, nobody really knows, um, nobody's really in control of the, of the processing of the payments. So it's very much unlike a central bank or, or you know, where, everybody, where, where it's clear where the money comes from and where it's going to. So it's, it's, it is approximating what the idea of cash ideally would have been like, i.e. it's anonymous, you know, all these transactions, nobody really is, knows who's bought what, and uh, nobody really can call you on it, in a way that, say, if you bought something through Apple Pay, you know, if I bought some, you know, illicit, you know, if I bought some porn on the, on, on, in the hotel room through Apple Pay, my wife could find out about it. If I bought, you know, the, the, the whole idea of, 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 of Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency at that level is that, you know, nobody's ever going to find out what you bought or why, you know, and that's supposed to be liberating. This is where all the, the, the whole sort of, you know, you, you, the, the utopia becomes a dystopia because you, you just think, well, isn't money and isn't Bitcoin or, or isn't it all about trying to hide, hide your, the grubby stuff that you don't want anybody else to know, you know. This is why, you know, it's really hard to find out, I think, what, what, how you buy drugs uh, without cash because... If you haven't got cash, how are you going to get the drugs without telling everybody that you're buying drugs? What do you think the answer is? <laughs> Some people must have an answer to that, right? Yeah, I, I, th- I think, you know, what, there are means to, to do it, I think. Not that I ever have. And I'm not saying this because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being pious. But I do think that there are ways in which you can manipulate um, your payments to in such a way that it doesn't look like you're buying drugs. So... There's the, the, the interesting phenomenon here is the idea of tokens. So in, instead of being paid in cash, you get paid in tokens. If you're a prostitute, and this is, this is something recorded in, in Rachel O'Dwyer's rather lovely book called Tokens, um, which is uh, essentially arguing that um, 
money is being replaced by tokens and tokens are things you know yeah like nfts or uh, um or even if this is the weird thing you know instead of being paid in cash you might get paid um um you, you might you draw up an, an amazon gift list and say you know you could buy me that you know and there are cases and she, she narrates case of, of prostitutes for example saying you know you can pay me for my services by buying me that or these you know choose something from that like a wedding list equivalent and this happens Maybe that's a model, you know, maybe that's a model that we could follow. Maybe, you know, in the future, people will be buying their drugs in that way, thereby trying to avoid oversight. So it's all about just finding ways of, of, of getting paid for your drugs or for whatever that's dubious in ways that isn't going to leave a digital record. That's, that's, the, that's the challenge, I think. That's, and that's the challenge of the future. Before these reasons, you imagine the state is uh, perhaps not delighted any you know any state um about the growth of this area because it's so associated with something dubious something underhand um so does that mean that for your ordinary citizen in the street the only way who who isn't interested in doing anything underhand or perhaps doesn't have the technical (laughs) knowledge to know how does that mean that um you know being monitored being tracked and having data collected and everything you spend is that going to be inescapable not necessarily i mean i think in general yes it's gonna be more difficult for you to buy stuff or to do stuff without having leaving a digital footprint there's an interesting thing uh, last summer where the government introduced um the idea that they were going to fine banks for not uh allowing for, for not processing cash um because they thought that's uh, unfair towards small businesses which can't afford necessarily to have all the, the, the kit the government wants to look to make it look as though they're looking after poorer people or smaller businesses who might be struggling in this new regime where cash is no longer there. So you imagine, you know, in 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 uh, rural communities there aren't many banks. You know, you've got your, your cash takings from your from your day, and, and you've got to drive, you know, hundreds of miles to process it because the bank isn't taking it. So they want they they want to ensure that cash survives, which is a curious thing for a government to want to do because actually. The survival of cash actually makes it harder for them and for you know law enforcement authorities to clamp down on you know um, illicit activity. HMRC must you know be looking at that kind of initiative and thinking perhaps don't do that you know because actually what we want is for you just to clamp down on on, on you know dodgies of people who aren't paying their taxes mm-hmm. and ca- and cash actually facilitates that in a way. So getting rid of cash for for HMRC and other tax organisations is a good thing. But for governments, it's, they, they seem to be caught between thinking, yeah, we want to clamp down on illicit activities, but also we want to ensure that people keep cash so that they, they're not, one, they're not bewildered by this technical world, which they don't really understand, which is true of quite a lot of older people, I think. And, and two, they want to protect small businesses who find, you know, the marginal costs of like buying all these instruments in order to process digital payments that's going to be a huge burden on their profit margin. This is also perhaps you know, a much smaller reason, but recently they were discussing the new notes and new coins for the king, um, which obviously have to be created and you know, led to a discussion about precisely this. Do we still need cash and coins? And, and one of the things that came up was financial literacy and right. ch- children learn to count you know, using coins and e- exchanging money. And, and that's how they learn you know, the value of um or how to complete a transaction. And without cash, 
that would be a struggle as well. It's a small point, but you know there are multiple uses for for cash in our society. I think it's a big point actually because I think you know so when when I buy something with a card or with, or with my phone, I don't really look very closely at you know the bill, um, and I'm not very financially literate. I'm, I worry about how my daughter spends her money in in, in, that, in that way because I don't think she necessarily thinks about it. I remember like working in a wallpaper shop in the in like the late seventies, my Saturday job, and. We had to, you, you know, you, you were quite financially literate in, 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 in you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a minor way because I, wallpaper had had an eight percent at one point, eight percent VAT. So every sale I made, I would have to calculate eight percent VAT. It's quite hard. And when they increased it to fifteen percent, I felt this. Oh, that's much easier. I can work that out much more readily. So, and and actually, the giving and taking of change. Does make you more sort of numerous, I suppose, and and, and and all that falls away in a world where you don't really think about what you're paying, and also you don't think about if you're not thinking about what you're paying, then maybe or not particularly scrutinising what you're paying, perhaps you're being ripped off, you know. Well, Stuart, thanks so much for joining us to talk about the the fascinating world of cash and money, and and to look at the the ways in which we now use it. So, thanks very much for coming in. That was great. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alan. That was great. Thanks so much to all of our listeners at home. If you enjoyed this podcast, then you can read Stuart's excellent essay, as well as Alan Rusbridger's investigation into how the government captured the BBC, and historian Avi Schleim's essay on ethnic cleansing in Gaza, by visiting our website at www.prospectmagazine.co.uk. That's all for now, so until next time, goodbye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.